Hey everybody, welcome to Life Awakening. Let's talk about it. As always, I'm your host, Coach Kelly Tammy, out here in beautiful San Diego, California. You know, it is December 22nd. It's almost Christmas, y'all. <laughs> Christmas is three days away. Number one, I hope you got all of your Christmas shopping done and none of you are in prison orange because you tried to kill somebody at the mall. That would be bad. I really hope that you told the people that were working on the other side of the counter when you checked out how much you appreciate them and the job it is that they do because they made your life a little bit easier while you were doing your Christmas shopping this year. You know, I I know that I could not be in retail. People just lose their mind when they're out there and you know, everybody needs a little grace. Everybody needs a love. Everybody needs a little bit of appreciation and I hope that you guys do that. If you still got some shopping and stuff to do, make sure that you, you know, tell the gas station attendant, you know, thank you for what it is that you do. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Tell the person at Walmart or whatever convenience store, whatever mall you're going to, like, tell the lady behind the counter or the man behind the counter, you know what? I know you put up with a lot of garbage while you're out here doing your job during the holidays. I just want to say that I appreciate you because you made you made my day better by being here, and I just want you to know that. You're not only going to change your day, but you're going to change theirs too. All right, so one of the significant things about today is that it is the two-year anniversary of me pulling out of Atlanta, Georgia, on my way across the country to move to San Diego, California. And I was looking back through all of my Facebook memories, and it was absolutely amazing to see the posts that I made. Like the, it was my last day to run my Live Like a Girl class. I had been running that class for three years. I had six to eight people in that class regularly for the entire eight years. Four of them were my four core students and then we added more as we went along. And sometimes we had as many as 10. We were par- packed in there with like sardines because the, the room for the workouts was really small. But they didn't care, man. Like we we had some killer workouts in there and it was amazing. And that day that I left, it was full of hugs, full of tears, full of bittersweet, full of laughter, full of sadness. And it was it was awesome and hard and happy and freeing. And lots of questions are, are you sure you want to do this? Are you 100% sure that this is the direction you want to go? I had moments where I was questioning my own sanity because I had a cushy life there, man. I had created, I had been at that gym for six years. I had created the most amazing personal training business there at that gym. And it was, it was the perfect life for me. You know what I mean? I was in control of how much I made, how many hours I worked or not. I set up my own vacation schedule or not. Like I did all of the things. I was close to my kids. I could do a weekend trip or a day trip to go see my kids anytime I wanted to. You know, I had friends there. I had longevity there. I had security there. I had safety there. Jason was there. Like I had all of these things that said, hey, this is a good life. You should stay. And I got a vision two days before I turned 50 that showed me a sign that said San Diego. And I heard a whisper that said, get there and I'll show you further. And I believed it. I had gotten visions several times throughout my life for other people, for my son, for my daughter, for my daughter-in-law, for my best friends. But I had never gotten a vision for myself, which gave me a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of 
questions about is this really for you is this real is this really for somebody else but it did make sense that it was for anybody else other than me and so I I was like you know what God's got me this far he's given me this vision it was during a meditation I had been feeling like a move had been coming since about April I just didn't know where it was going to be I was looking in the southeast because I had lived there my whole life and I was like I did this turn of meditation. I told him to tell me what he's been trying to tell me, that I wasn't getting out of the shower. I mean, it was a direct conversation with him. And he showed me this. Why would I not believe that? Why would I not trust him? Why would I not step out on faith? Why would I not jump? You know, Steve Harvey's book, Jump, was one of the main things that helped me make a lot of changes in my life and be so bold and adventurous in the things it is that I do now versus the way that I used to run my life. And so going through those questions and having those those moments with my clients who had become my friends and my personal training workout partners and you know they hugged my neck and they we all cried together and I had cards and they brought food and they had gift cards and gifts and bottles of wine and bottles of tequila <laughs> and all these awesome things and and you know uh, several of them said this isn't goodbye this is just you know see you later I'm coming to see you you know just just don't forget about me I'm I'm coming I'm coming and you know those were beautiful words to hear and you know I got back to my apartment I had to finish packing and one of the charity, veterans charities, veterans organizations that I donated stuff to, they came and got a whole bunch of stuff. And then I took everything else to Goodwill that wouldn't fit in my car. And, you know, I was, I was having a moment because Jason had told me that he was on the other side of town and he wasn't going to make it before I left. And so I was really upset about that. And I was in the bathroom cleaning up and he come up and scared the absolute shit out of me while I was in the bathroom cleaning. He was like, you should have the door locked. And I was like, well, I'm running in and out. And he was like, well, I just came in and you didn't even know I was here. So he fussed at me, but at the same time, gave me a big hug. I was crying. And, you know, that, that exchange for that time we were talking and he was, you know, asking about the car, making sure I had everything. You know, he was giving me the directions on how to get across the country, where to stay. It was just a real bittersweet moment. You know, I had spent 10 years with him and I wasn't sure if I would ever see him again. I knew he'd always be my friend. I knew he'd always be a part of my life in some way, shape or form. But, you know, it was it was really a finality of of where we were and who we were in life at that moment. And I think that was like the hardest part was, was that right there is the uncertainty about our relationship at that, that moment in time. After he left, I finished loading everything up and cleaning and doing all of that. And I did my, my final walkthrough and I stood in each room and I just closed my eyes. And I, I thought about all of the memories of all of the things that had happened those three years while I was in that apartment. Like that was the first apartment that I had on my own since I totaled my cars. And well, I totaled both my cars. I was in my other apartment and me and Dee were together. We were supposed to be relocating to Puerto Rico because that's where he got relocated for his job. And I was going to go with him. But I owed $7,000 on back rent on my apartment. And I was waiting for an eviction notice any given day. 
And I knew in my mental and emotional state at that point in time that if I had come home and I found that eviction notice, I I had a deep-seated fear that my depression would take over and I didn't know if I could beat it a second time because I still wasn't completely free. And so I moved in with a client. She was a lifesaver. And then after I moved in three, not even three months, I moved in with her on September. in September. I lost my mom December 4th and Dee broke up with me on December 11th. Those, that was like the hardest week of my life to lose two people that I love so desperately. And I was closer to work. She gave, I had shelter. I, I had a car. She let me borrow her second car. So I had the freedom to, to do the things that I needed to do and work on me. And it was, it was still really hard. It was a, it was a hard next year. And then I bought another car. I moved in with another client slash friend was with them for nine months and then I moved into this apartment and it was just like this freeing, I did it moment. This is mine. This is my space. And, you know, after creating this awesome life that I had, I was like, you know, are you really, are you really sure that you're ready to, to, to go out on this limb? You're, you're ready to walk away from everything it is that you've built on a hope and a dream and a prayer that everything's going to be exactly, I actually, I had no idea how it was going to be. All I, all I saw was a sign that said San Diego and get there and I'll show you further. My goal or my dream was to be a full-time life coach. My goal or my dream was to be a world-renowned public speaker and to be an author, a best-selling author. Those were my three things. And I did that. Like, I'm still working on the world-renowned public speaker thing, but I did do a public speaking gig this year and... It's, it, and it was on the anniversary date of my last public speaking event, public speaking event. So there's so many life synchronicities that have happened in the two years that I've been here. But as I, I went through each of those rooms and I had all of the memories and, and I'll be honest, the majority of the memories were of me and Jason in every single room, the conversations we had, the emotions we had, the the relationship that we had, the times that, you know, he'd come and spend a week with me and, you know, we were that couple and it was, it was awesome and bittersweet and sad all at the same time. And, you know, even the fights that we had where we broke up and, you know, I didn't think we were going to talk again. And then two months later, we're right back where we were. And that was just our cycle and it was all coming to an end. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that felt because he was such an integral part of me beating my depression. And I I wanted to bring all of this up because it's really leading me to what our topic is for today. What I want to talk about today is like, how do we change our lives? How do we change the status quo? And this is like a really deep subject. And this is this is going to be a deep conversation. And I, I want to dive both feet head first do a cannonball, make the big splash and and get your attention and kind of like shake you like a glow stick for a second. And hopefully your light will come on because, you know, the, the, the big dreams and the big goals and the, the aspirations that and, and people that achieve those things, we're not special. Like we're not any different than you. I though those things, those big goals, those big dreams, they're not reserved for everybody else, but you, you just have to decide that you're willing to do whatever it takes to make those dreams come true. You have to decide that you're going to allow yourself to dream and quit focusing on what is and quit 
assuming that you can't have it because you're looking at your what is. And that's a that's a that's a big deal because we are where we are because of how we think. How many times in all of my podcasts have you heard me say, we are where we are because of how we think? All of the depression, all of the bullshit, all of the garbage that I went through in my early years of life was a direct reflection of how I was thinking. It was also a direct reflection of my environment. It was a direct reflection of the people that I hung out with. It was a direct reflection of my family lineage, my family history. Things that were passed down to me are inherited by me energetically, emotionally, physically, mentally. All of those things were were shown to me, given to me by my mother. And so that was my normal. I had to figure out how to break a pattern. In order for us to change our lives, we have to start breaking patterns. There's no, there's no alternative. We have to, number one, figure out what the pattern is. We have to learn to see the pattern. Because if we don't see the, if we can't figure out what the pattern is, if we don't even acknowledge that we have a pattern to begin with, how can you break it? Like, that's just real. So before I like jump all in this and twist your brain all in a knot and tell you how much that I love you because this is going to sting just a little bit, let's take a second and listen to my sponsors for this week because they are the bomb.com and we will be right back with today's episode. Before we took the break, we were talking about changing our patterns, changing our lives, dreaming bigger, going after those dreams, cultivating a circle of friends or a circle of influence that is going to motivate us, move us, and get us going toward a better life, toward a life that we've always dreamed of, a life that we wanted. You know, we we hear so many people say, oh, I would love to have this. I would love to have that, but I can't because that's just the way our family is. How many times have you heard yourself or somebody else in your family say, oh, well, our family's always been like that? Think about it. How many times have you heard those words come out of your mouth? How many times have you heard those words come out of somebody else's mouth talking about their own family? Oh, well, that's just the way our family is. It's been like that for generations. Well, just because it's been like that for generations, Susan, doesn't mean that it has to be like that for generations to come. It's a pattern. It's something that we just accept as, oh, well, that's just the way our family is. Who told you that you have to be like your family? Hello, McFly. Nobody. Nobody said that you had to be exactly like your mama. Nobody said you had to be exactly like your daddy. Nobody said you had to be exactly like your grandmama, your granddaddy, your aunt, your uncle, your brother, your cousin, your sister, your aunt. Whatever. You get to decide who you are, who you become, where you go, and what you do with your life. Nobody gets to tell you anything any different. It is 100% up to you. And nobody else. That's it. So when I looked at me leaving Atlanta and coming to California, there were a lot of people that said, well, what about your kids? What about them? They're grown. They don't need me here being the, being a hovering mom for the rest of their lives. They, I have done everything that I can do to teach my children, everything that I can teach them to make them the best humans that they can be at the point in life where they are right now. If they need me, I am a phone call away. I am happy to answer any questions it is that they need, but I don't need to be right here up underneath them in order for them to be great human beings. 
They are in charge of whether or not they are going to be a great human being. I don't have any control over that. I have no say-so over what it is that they do, where they go, or who they become. They do. I have no say-so in how they raise their kids. They do. I have no say-so in how and what job selection it is that they choose, what career path that they choose or not. They do. That is 100% their decision. Now, can they ask me my opinion or my thoughts or my, my introspect on what it is that they're doing and the direction they're going? And can I give them a different perspective on how to look at something? Absolutely. I'm happy to give them all of that. But at the end of the day, even after I give them my opinion, my perspective, my whatever, they still have to make that decision for themselves. I cannot make that decision for them. They're, in the, they're inside their jar and they may not can read the label. So for them to even acknowledge or realize that they can't see everything because they're inside the jar and they ask me, that is a wonderful experience for me because it makes me feel needed and loved. But by no means whatsoever are they required to ask me shit at all, ever. They are not required to come see me. They're not required to show me love. They're not required to do any of that. They are required to live their lives to the fullest in whatever capacity that they see fit. Now, does it hurt to say that they are not required to show me love or tell me that they love me or spend time with me? Absolutely. But it's true. They owe me nothing. And I know there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with me on that. But do you want your kids to be stuck up underneath your ass for the rest of their life? Do you want them to depend on you for the rest of their life? Do you want them? So if they got to depend on you for the rest of their life, that means that you got to take care of them, which means you're going to be financially responsible for everything it is that they do. You're going to be responsible for every decision it is that they make, good, bad, or indifferent. All the mistakes and everything. If If you want to be that helicopter mom or that helicopter dad... Do you want to be responsible for all their decisions for the rest of their life? I can answer that for me. Nope. I raised my kids to be full functioning adults and to get out of the house and be on their own by the time they were 18. They knew how to cook. They knew how to clean. They washed the clothes. They knew how to clean the house. They knew how to drive. They knew how to do all everything that they needed to do. Both of them had had jobs before they moved out of the house. So there was they were self-sufficient. 100% self-sufficient. They did not need to depend on me whatsoever. And, you know, even though I offer a lot of words when I am on my podcast, I tell you this, I tell you that continuously, whatever. Words don't teach. Self, your own self experiences teach. Sometimes if you're really lucky, if you're really smart and you pay attention, you can learn from somebody else's mistakes. We're not going to be around long enough to make all the mistakes to learn from them. So if if you're humble enough and you're willing to look at other people's lives, willing to ask them questions about where they were, how they got there, what mistakes, what hurdles, what roadblocks did they hit? What did they learn? And you're willing to learn from somebody else's mistakes, then you have a you have a serious leg up on life and where it is that you're going. I went through 10 years of absolute hell. Absolute hell. From two what well, probably more than that, honestly. Like my my whole first 42, 43 years. I I had moments or glimmers that were phenomenal. 
you know, the birth of my children, phenomenal. Me getting married, eh, it was good at the time. It was something that served me. It was something that I needed to get me to the next level. But can I say it was a phenomenal time in my life? No. And that's just honest. In those moments, did I think they were phenomenal times? Eh, no, I was happy to be getting married. Like when I married my kid's dad, and I've said this several times, I married him to get out of my mom's house. Did I love him and care about him? Yes. But was I in love with him? No. Was that his fault? No. Did I know that at the time? No. Do I have two beautiful children and three beautiful grandchildren because of it? Yes. Are we friends today? Yes. It all worked out. It's it's amazing to me when I see parents say, oh, well, they got to do what I say. Are they living in your house? Are they under the age of 18? The answer to either or both of those is no. No, they don't have to do what you say. They really don't. Now, am I guilty? And I'm going to say yes. Am I guilty of attempting to tell my kids what to do? Absolutely. There's been a couple of instances where I had to have a come to Jesus moment with one or both of my children at different times. And I point blank told them, I brought you into this world and I don't care how old you get. I will take you out. You will not disrespect me. You will not treat me any kind of way. You will not talk to me in any kind of way. You will talk to me and treat me with respect. And they understood that that was the only way this was going to be. And that's exactly how it happened from that point forward. And we've not had any more, had any other issues. Now, they, like I said, they are in complete 100% charge of their own life. So me coming to California, was I concerned about what it was that they thought? Yes. Was it going to change my mind if they disagreed with my plans? Nope. Did I, did I even think about changing my plans or deciding not to go to California because my son didn't want me to go and told me I was crazy? Nope. I was actually, I was more concerned about telling my daughter I was moving because we were so close. Like I'm her mommy and we talk every day on the phone, even when I was in Atlanta and she would come see me, I'd go see her. Like, you know, I was at home. I went back to uh, Birmingham once a month to see the kids. And so now I'm going across the country. Now I see them two times a year. So that's a big change for all of us. You know, in, in the first six months that I was here, it was hard not being able to go home on the weekend or have a day trip to be able to see the kids and the grandkids. And it made it, it was very challenging but it was one of the best decisions I ever made, man. I promise you it was one of the best decisions I ever made. And I'm so thankful that I, I followed my intuition. I followed the vision. I followed the dream. And I did exactly what it was that I wanted to do. You know, was it scary? Yes. Was it hard? Yes. Was it challenging? Yes. Was it worth it? Yes. Hell yes. I, I, I wouldn't change any of it at all. And so what what all of this is about is, you know, if most of us, we live in a cycle of the same choices over and over and over and over again, how we handle conflict, how we handle change, how we handle conflict and how we handle challenges will end up the same way our entire lives if we do not pick up on the patterns that are causing those same things. Think about that. Most of our, most of us live in a cycle of the same choices. How we handle conflict and how we handle challenges will continue to end up the same way our entire lives if we do not pick up on the patterns and figure out a way to change them. 
the way you handle anger, the way you handle frustration, your use of alcohol or food to numb out, how you avoid tough situations and instead you sabotage and run away. I can say those things because I lived all of those things, the alcohol, the drugs, the food. Like I was an emotional eater, still an emotional eater to a certain extent, not to the extremes that I was before. But when I get super emotional, which doesn't happen very often, but when, when certain things happen, I'm quick to go get a glass of wine or two or three or five. And I, I had to realize that stuff, that thing about myself and say, you know what? That's not okay. I need to stop that. Wine isn't helping me solve my problem. Me getting in my journal and getting it out and leaving it alone for a minute and letting me calm down is how I solve the problem. I don't need to be numb to solve a problem. Being numb doesn't solve the problem. Being coherent and taking yourself outside the jar so you can read the label helps you solve the problem. Like running away? I was the queen of running away. Self-sabotage? Did that queen of that too. We keep having the same outcomes because we get stuck in those same patterns over and over and over and over again. Our past will literally continue to be our future. Maybe with different people, the names and the faces are going to change, but the story is still going to be the same. The struggles are going to be the same. The stories are going to be the same. Just the names and the faces are going to change. If you go back and you look at your family tree, and I don't know, I, and, and I said this in, in one of the modules on my online course where we were talking about vision casting and we were talking about leaving a legacy. Like how many generations can you go back and know details about your family? Like most of us know our, our immediate grandparents, our grandmother, our grandfather, some of us are lucky enough to know our great-grandmother, great-grandfather, but very few of us know our great-great-grandparents or anything about them. Do you know anything about your lineage without going to look up something on Ancestry.com? Like, did your, did your great-great-great-grandparents leave a legacy? Did they leave a business to the family? Is there still a family business? Do you know how the business started? Do you know how many brothers and sisters they had? Do you, or do you still know any of the, the aunts and uncles, the cousins, nieces and nephews? Like, do, do you know those things? Do you know what they do? Do you, do you know how their relationships start and finish? Do you know what kind of jobs they have? Do they have the same cycles? Do you have people that are alcoholics in your family or abuse drugs? Do they have toxic relationships, abusive relationships? Are they part of domestic violence? Like those things are handed down. They're patterns. Like I saw my, so here's what happens. You do one of two things. You either live in the situation and you see a certain pattern and you say, this is the way life is supposed to be. And this is going to be my lot in life. And you continue on the path. You continue that same pattern that you experienced, that you were taught because those are learned behaviors. You were not born that way. It is a learned behavior to be abusive. It is a learned behavior to overeat. It is a learned behavior to drink. It is a learned behavior to use drugs. Mental health is a learned behavior, which generally turns into a chemical disorder because we try to chemically modify our emotions and then there comes the addiction or needing drugs to undo the drugs that we were already doing. You can go back and listen to that again because that's a, a whole lot of truth I just threw at you right there. Now, if you don't know anything about your family 
and you just heard your mom say, oh, well, you know, my grandmother was always like that, and that's just the way we've always been. Or maybe your dad said, oh, well, that's just, you know, my grandfather was like that. My dad was like that. I am like that. That's, you know, you're, you're going to be like that. It's just the way the family is. No. In my life, I saw that my mom was a drug addict. I saw my mom's relationships with men, how abusive and how toxic that they were. I knew that she liked abusive men. I knew that she liked alcoholic, raging alcoholics. I knew that that's what she was attracted to. But that was the only life that she ever knew. My biological father was abusive, physically, mentally, emotionally, and sexually to her and me. So if he was that way and that's all she knew and she kept going back, my baby brother's dad was the same way. My middle brother's dad was the one that raped me when I was 13. So me growing up, if my mom liked you and you were trying to date me, oh no, that had to come to an end because I knew she liked to be, I knew she was attracted to abusive men. And so I wanted to break that pattern. I made a promise to myself, me and my oldest brother, we both made this, both, this promise to ourselves. We would never allow our children to experience a childhood like what we experienced. We would never allow our children to go through the sexual abuse that I went through. We would never allow our children to experience the drug-induced home that we were a part of. Like, we, we, we did all of those patterns, and they were just passed down over my, I know my grandfather, Grandpa Scoggins, he's in my book. He was an alcoholic, or at least that's what my mom told me. I never saw him in that light. I never saw him drink, ever. I heard my grandmother, Grandma Lolly, she's in my book too. She told me about times that he drunk and he was an angry drunk. He wasn't, he wasn't a happy drunk. You know, there, there's angry drunks and there's happy drunks. And my, and my, I heard that my grandfather was an angry drunk. I, I was never a party to that. I never, I never saw that. I never experienced any of that. So I, I don't know how much truth there is to that or not, but I would assume she wouldn't have told me that if it wasn't true. And so for my mom to grow up in that as a child and then to have the abusive, relationships that she had, it makes sense. It's a pattern. So you have to be able to recognize those patterns. And when you recognize those patterns, it's going to sting, man. Like it's probably going to hurt just a little bit. Like, damn, like I've been doing this shit my whole life. And I, like, I, I knew this growing up. I saw this growing up, but I didn't make, I didn't make the correlation. I didn't make the conscious decision to say, oh, hey, I need to, I, I, I need to make a change. I learned from all the negative experiences of what I did not want in my life, but yet I still ended up repeating some of those patterns until I had a stare down with a bottle of sleeping pills and it almost cost me my life. It was, it was that golden ticket moment. Jason called me, talked me out of doing something he had no idea I was about to do. That was my second chance at life. God was like, here, I sent somebody to wake you up. Here's a golden ticket. Now, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to change your life? How are you going to change your family's life? How are you going to change your legacy? What are you going to do to give back? What are you going to do to make this world a better place before you exit it? Like, I mean, we're all going to croak. We're all going to pass over into the afterlife. None of us make it out alive. So, like, don't get all emotional and say, oh, I don't want to think about death. Well, you, you know what? When you stop being afraid of death, it's the day you start living. If you live your life in fear, you will never live life. Let me say that again. If you live your life in fear of death, something that is inevitable, you will never live your life to the fullest. You will never complete your purpose. 
you will never, I, I, I just, you, you can't, it's not possible because you're in fear and anxiety all the time. You will, you will not take risks. You will not take chances. You won't even allow yourself to dream for fear. You got to chase what you're afraid of, man. Like I'm not afraid of death. I know that I'm going to live on the other side and I'm going to be free. I'm free now. I want to live free while I'm on this earth, not just after I die where I can let go of all the baggage that I've been carrying around for my whole life. It, over the last 10 years, that's what I've been working on is getting rid of all the fucking baggage that I've been carrying around for my whole entire life from my mom, from my biological father, from my stepdad, from my brothers, from fucked up relationships, from my own self-imposed prison that I put myself in. Like I had to break free from all of the cycles and all of the patterns that I have experienced my whole entire life in order to create the massive change in my life that I've created. You will continue to see the same relationship results over and over and over again if you don't figure out the pattern and find a way to change it. You'll see similar choices and behaviors all because no one has broken the hereditary patterns that have been passed down to you for generations. One of the hardest and most challenging things in this life for you and for me, for anybody, will be to identify the patterns that have been keeping us stuck for God knows only how long and replace them with new ones. You've got to find the courage somehow, some way, to choose a different pattern, to choose a different path, to choose a different way, choose a different you. Choose to dream, choose to believe, choose to breathe, choose a new place to live. Sit down and write out like, you know what? Let's start with the first relationship that broke my heart. What were the things that I loved about this person? Because you, if they, they couldn't have broken your heart if you didn't love some things about them. So what was the things that you loved about that person? Write them down. Then draw a line down the center of the page or turn the page and then write down the things that you didn't like about that person. All of them. Write it all down. Now that you've written down all the things that you didn't like about that person, let's go to the next person that broke your heart. That you had a fucked up relationship. Toxic. Abusive. Whatever. Narcissistic. You name it. But we've all had it. None of us are special. Write down. Because even if you got with somebody that was narcissistic, may, even if you got with somebody that was physically abusive or mentally abusive, verbally abusive, was an alcoholic, whatever, you got with them at some point in time because they had traits that you liked. Maybe they didn't show their true colors in the beginning. Maybe it was just because you didn't want to be alone. If you're honest with yourself, go back and re-listen to single's not a status, it's a word, know the difference. I like snap in that one because we as women, and I'm not going to say that men don't do it too, we will stay in a fucked up toxic relationship in order not to be alone. Because we think being single means that we're not good enough or we're not lovable or whatever that looks like. Cut it out. But you've got to have the courage to choose differently, man. We've got to not only change our patterns, we got to change our story. We can no longer let our past determine our future. At some point in time, you've got to give up that victim state of mind, that victim mentality. Oh, this happened to me, so this is just the way I am. This is the way I have to be. No, the fuck it isn't. I, I will tell you, I will call you out on your victim. Hey, we, you want to compare stories? Let's go. I'll compare mine to yours. We'll go blow for blow. Because everything that's in my book ain't everything that I went through. 
I shared what I could share and it'd still be believable. There's a lot more in between those pages that didn't get on ink, didn't get ink on the paper because it was heart-wrenching enough. But I did it. I got out and I changed the patterns and I changed my life. And you know what? Because I took the steps to leave Atlanta, drive across country, come to California and change my life, my daughter started setting goals. My daughter went back to school. She became a massage therapist. And when she had a car accident and she hurt her back where she can no longer, like physically can no longer do that job, she started bartending. And now in less than a year, she's become the manager of the bar that she was working at. Now she has a goal to own her own bar. Like she now has dreams and she has goals where she never had those before because she stood back and she watched what I did. She asked questions. She was stalking, trying to figure out how is she doing that? What made her, what, what makes her special? What makes her just jump? Now I understand if you have small children at home, you have some other responsibilities that you gotta, that you gotta take into consideration before you make a big move and do something like what I did. But if you're in the position that I am and all your kids are grown and you don't, you're not married, you don't, you don't have anybody to hold you back, but you, I'm going to say that again. You ain't got nobody to hold you back, but you, why are you still standing still? That's your decision. You can't blame anybody else for that. You can't. I, if, I, if you get nothing else out of this podcast today, I hope beyond all hope that you hear me when I say, I want you to find the courage somewhere to sit down and write down the patterns. Start with your relationships, man, because that's going to be the easiest, especially for us women. We don't, we, we don't too much forget shit. And relationships are everything to us. We are built for relationships. So start with your relationships. What were, what were the traits about, like, you go back to, if you got to go back to high school, go back to high school. Maybe that's too far back to remember. Start with your current relationship. What are all the things that you love about the person that you're with? And fellas, I, and I know I got some men that listen to this too. So this is for you too. Write down, because I know y'all will be with the same toxic bitch over and over and over again. Just like we will be with the same toxic man over and over and over again. You need, you, you got to cut that out. If you're going to have a healthy relationship and a healthy life and a prosperous life in 2020, you have got to figure out what your patterns are and you got to have the courage to take a step and change them. So write down all the things in your most recent relationship that you loved about that person. If you've broken up with that person, don't tell me that you didn't love something about that person. Otherwise, they could not broke your heart. There was something about them, but probably lots of some things that you loved about that person in order for you to have been in a relationship with them for any extended period of time. Then write down the things that you didn't like. There's probably less things that you didn't like than you did. Okay, then go back one more relationship. What were the things about that person that you loved? What was the things about that person that you didn't? Then go back to the next relationship. What was the person? And do the same thing. I would say go back three, maybe four relationships. And then I want you to compare those sheets of paper. What were the traits that were good that you loved in all of those, in all of those people? And do you see a pattern? Okay. Then all the things that you didn't like about each of those men or women, look and see if there's any commonalities. Are there any of the same things that keep showing up? What's the pattern? When you see the pattern, I want you to think about, think back to your childhood. What was your parents' relationship like? Where, where did you see that type of pattern? Where did you see that type of relationship to think that that was okay? Was it from your best friends? Was it from 
aunts, uncles, cousins? Was it your parents? Was it your grandparents? Was it all of the above? Once you, once you recognize the pattern and you can call it out, you can do something to change it. Once you recognize the pattern, you can say, okay, these are, this is the pattern. This is where it come from. Now it's time to change. Now you get to do what I call a Build-A-Bear exercise and you get to write down exactly what it is that you want in your next mate. So take all of the things that you wrote that you loved in those other people, okay? And there's, there's going to be a pattern. So think about this. Even in the things that you loved about those people, there's going to be a pattern in there somewhere. Are the, is the pattern in the things that you loved and the things, did the, did the things that you loved become the things that you hated about those people? There's, there's, there's a clue somewhere in there in the things that you love and the things that you hated or didn't like hate may be too strong a word. I don't know. I don't know where you're at in your relationship, but there's a pattern in there. What does that look like? And then you got to find a way to eliminate that. Why did, why, why did you like that thing? The why is important. Now, I, could, I could do a whole nother podcast on this Build-A-Bear exercise and how to change all of that. But you, you've got to find the pattern. You've got to be able to change your life. You've got to be able to take your life back. You've, you've got to see that you deserve better because you do. And religion especially, you hear people say, oh, I'm not deserving. Yes, the fuck you are. You are deserving of all of everything that this great, big, beautiful world has to offer. You deserve the best of everything. You deserve to have all the money it is that you want to be free. You deserve to have the house it is that you want. You deserve to have the car it is that you want. It is not selfish to want those things. It is not selfish to want a better life. None of that is selfish and none of that is wrong. And you deserve it all, every bit of it. You deserve forgiveness. You deserve grace. You deserve mercy. We are human and we, we all make stupid mistakes. We all make stupid decisions and, and we, but it's learning. It's feedback. Without doing some of the stupid things that we do, we would never learn what not to do. We wouldn't grow. And if we don't grow, life would suck. It's just the facts. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I really hope that I gave you some value. I hope that I gave you some really tangible tools, and some really deep things to think about going into 2020. I just recently wrote out my whiteboard with all of my big goals for 2020, and I'm super excited about the things that are to come. One of the goals that I have written down is for my podcast to reach 20,000 downloads by the end of 2020, and that is totally a doable goal. I plan on doing one or two major interviews per quarter, where it's not just me on here. I'm going to interview somebody awesome and special or famous. And yeah, I, I, I just have some really big goals, not only for the podcast, but for the rest of my life too. I have personal goals, financial goals. I have uh, personal development goals. I have relationship goals. I have business goals for life coaching, public speaking, and for writing a book starting retreats next year. Like I have a lot that I've written down and, and this may be like a 2021 goals and dreams, but I, I'm going to make a, a mind movie out of it or a, a legacy movie. I think it's probably a better, better way to do it and just let it all happen. Because with everything that I accomplished in the last decade from overcoming depression 
relocating from Birmingham to Huntsville and then to Atlanta and then coming all the way across the country to California, losing everything it was that I owned and living in a hotel, being homeless, to being on top of the world, to becoming a best-selling author, to being free, man. Like just being free, setting my mom free, finding the healing, living in the forgiveness, learning how to love myself, knowing that I was enough, creating an awesome life for myself, breaking all of the chains and the patterns from my past and knowing that I'll never go backwards again. All of those things are huge in in the last decade. And by all rights, like the, the last two years just being here in California has been phenomenal. Like I've probably accomplished more in the first 18 months that I was here than most people have accomplished in the whole decade. But if a decade in review is something that you're interested in doing, go check out Marie Forleo's Marie TV on YouTube. And she has three small, three short video clips about a decade in review. That's exactly what I'm doing right now. And more than halfway done with my decade in review. And it's really awesome to write those things down. Even the little things it was that I accomplished that are it ended up being big things to getting me where I am right now. And I think you would be really proud of yourself and you'd be amazed at all of the things it is that you accomplished. We go, we spend so much time just letting life, living life and, and not really reflecting on where it is that we were or and much less where it is that we want to go. We just, you know, kind of exist in life. And I, if I could challenge you, you know, not only to break the patterns that you've been existing in life, but I, I want to challenge you to, dream bigger for the next decade. I want you to believe bigger for the next decade. You know, if the decade, if the next decade is too much to think about, you know, just dream a little bigger for 2020. Believe a little bigger for 2020. Breathe a little deeper for 2020. And know that it's all going to be okay. I promise. If I can do it, you can do it. So I just want to wish you the most awesome Merry Christmas. I hope that Santa brings you all of the wonderful gifts of in your heart's desire. I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye now. <laughs>